Welcome to the Strategic Talent Management People Solution Podcast. We solve your people challenges. People are the most important ingredient for your business or organization's success. We believe the way to take your organization to the next level begins with knowing your people and yourself. Welcome to Strategic Talent Management's People Solutions Podcast. I am Sue MacArthur, president of STM, and I have our CEO with us today, Art Boulay. Hello. Um, And today we're talking about a practical approach to artificial intelligence. And we've got another guest with us, Melinda Byerly. Hello. Melinda is, hi, welcome. (laughs) Melinda is an experienced marketing analytics leader who has produced data-driven growth at pioneering companies, including eBay, PayPal, Linden Lab, and Checkpoint Software. As chair of the Digital Analytics Association's Data Privacy and Ethics Committee, she champions privacy, ethics, security, and governance. She founded the analytics consultancy Fiddlehead Marketing in 2014, which has produced quantifiable results for clients like Netflix, Impossible Foods, Dropbox, and Amplitude. In January of this year, her clients and network urged her to expand her practice to include artificial intelligence. So when we decided that this was a topic we'd like to address here on the podcast, Melinda seemed a natural as our guest expert. So we're very happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Melinda, we uh, I love this opening line from your blog that I recently subscribed to. And I'll just put a shameless commercial in here. We'll We'll tell you how to subscribe to the blog at the end. But you said, quote, Those of you burned by crypto and metaverse and or Web 3.0 might be feeling a bit wary about AI because of some of the same characters are saying some of the same things. But people who follow me for a long time know I rolled my eyes at this stuff. And I loved reading that quote, Melinda, because I have to say when I first started seeing AI on every conference agenda I attended and practically every news feed, I was in the eye rolling club as well. And but you said it's different this time. So what happened? What's the pivot? Well, you know, one, it's not new. So I think the first thing, you know, many of us, it sort of came into our consciousness in November of 2022 with the launch of ChatGPT and all of the sort of hype around that. But it's important to remind ourselves that many of the largest companies have long had AI strategies, even outside of the tech world. McDonald's, the Postal Service, folks have been putting AI into their organizations and using it, just customers haven't seen it. And we as a, as a, as a society have not had those discussions because they seemed very abstract and remote and detached. And so, you know, ChatGPT, when it sort of, it seems like a mm-hmm. surprise, but in really, it's an, it's an evolution. But what's really different this time is that the benefits of Web3, crypto, et cetera, are accruing to a few people, but there is no part of society that will be untouched by AI. I'm 53. I have lived through four, I think, internet revol- or four sort of technology revolutions in my time, the personal computer, the internet, 
uh, the cell phone and now and the social media revolution. So all four of these have dramatic, just in my lifetime, dramatically changed things. The difference here is just how fast it's going to happen now and how even as we speak, all of the major companies are rolling the AI work they've been doing for the last decade into the tools. You know, it was Zoom last week, it's HubSpot, it's Salesforce. In many ways, it's going to be all around us. It may or may not be something we touch. And that's what makes it really different is that it's, you know, crypto, we talked about it, but only a few people really used it or played with mm-hmm. it or invested in it. Mm-hmm. Well, chances are everyone on this call has interacted with AI, whether or not they know it. It's already here. Ah, good point. You mentioned in your blog that marketing should be leading the way. How would our listeners who are leaders and owners of small companies, how could they possibly be able to use AI in their marketing? Well, certainly there's been a lot of hype around what we call generative AI. So if I can step back for a moment, just depending on the knowledge base of who's listening, you know, when we talk about AI, you generally hear about several things. One is generative AI, and that's where all the heat is right now. Generative AI is the ability to create something from a corpus of information, whether that's the images that you hear about, whether it's copy, uh, whether it's, you know, essay papers and law briefs and and SAT exams or whatever you're reading about in news. That's called generative AI. And then you will also hear this conversation about something called AGI, you know, which is this sort of idea of sort of a universal general intelligence that we all read about in science fiction that is many years in the future. When people in Silicon Valley talk about something being 10 years in the future, it means they have no idea when it's coming. That's kind <laughs> of like the rubric for, I don't know when. If you, if somebody says it's near term, to them, that's one to three years and is much more likely to happen. So the reason I said this about marketing, it's a bit of a controversial statement. Not everybody agrees with me on this. Um, but I tend to believe that marketing has an opportunity to lead one because from a, I'm going to call it a consumer, like a business to business, but consumer of generative AI, they're going to be one of the first silos in the organization to be disrupted. But all of, all of them will be touched. Finance will be touched. Operations will be touched. Everybody will be touched at some point. So marketing can be the tip of the spear. And on top of it, we are communicators. We should know how to be able to talk about this. There's like going naturally, I, I grew up, my parents, my, my stepfather was an auto worker at Chrysler. He repaired robots and automation was all the talk of the 80s and mm-hmm. 90s and how many factory workers were going to be put out of jobs by robots. Right. The fear was there then, the fear is here now. It is not unfounded. And so marketing has a role to play in terms of communicating you know, when and how uh, we're going to implement this and and how to talk about it. So what, what's what's some examples that they would, you know, these a small company would actually consciously roll out AI in their marketing? So, and this is a good point, Art. I think I mentioned this to you that right now, that I would say for most small companies, what they're going to be limited to do is to either use the tools that are embedded in what they already have. So if they're using HubSpot or they're using Salesforce or they're using even Google Docs, they're seeing AI rolled into those things. Um, it is not time for small businesses to go out and design their own LLMs, no matter what, you know, large language learning models, no matter what you hear about, oh, you can <laughs> run it on a gaming laptop. There are two reasons for that. The first is that all, pretty much all of the quality talent is now locked up to create LLMs and customize LLMs. Almost all of the talent is locked up either at the FANGs, the, you know, FedEx, sorry, FedEx, Facebook, Apple, 
uh, Netflix, Google, that's a Silicon Valley mm -hmm. acronym for kind of those big, big companies, Amazon, or they're at the cutting edge companies like OpenAI or Anthropic. And so a small business, myself included, there's, I actually have several things I'd like to do with AI, but finding a quality developer right now is very uh. difficult. The second thing is the cost of computing. So what's different about this is uh, I have an MBA in finance. And so I think a lot about mo you know, business models and how do we justify the spend that we would make, uh, that we would invest in AI. And the costs of a AI model that you build in-house are not just the investment cost of software. In the past, you, you spend once, maybe you maintain a little, and then it, you know, it um, expands, basically, it covers, it scales. It can be served many, many times with only modest, you know, with only incremental cost. The challenge with AI is that what's called the cost of computing. The, it's all done in cloud on servers, right, that are in these, you know, giant racks and these data centers. And because of the demand, this is another way you know this is not going away. The demand for that computing time is anywhere from a few pennies an hour to $700 an hour, depending on the quality, speed, and all the other aspects that go to that server. This is why NVIDIA is worth so much money right now, is because <laughs> they're one of the few that are making what they call the iron, the shorthand is the iron, um, where the the where the data is being sort of processed and stored. And so a small company, when you go to plan this, you not have to plan for just the development of the model, but serving it. And as it scales, the cost of serving it gets more and more expensive because of the way, because of the craziness. That will settle down in a few years. And I think we will see even small companies, quote unquote, rolling their own. Because we have things like no, co no code and low code AI that enable you to make your own projects without having to have a ton of experience. That was a long-winded way of saying, you don't have to do this right now. Um, you don't have to, and if I was, a, you know, I am a small business, I run a small business. Mm -hmm. I am not rolling my own uh, AI product. I'm using what's there. So what they can do is of course, they can use the products that exist, whether it's generative AI in your writing. We'll talk about some of the IP issues around that in a second, generative AI thought partnership. I will tell you, I use it for proposals, um, probably giving away something here. But like, if I'm thinking, <laughs> I tend to ramble, particularly my writing. I start stream That's of okay. consciousness and it goes long, 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 long. Well, AI is great at pulling out the three or four key points, tightening hmm. that and shortening it so that I don't have to subject my reader to my entire train of thought to get them to exactly the point I want them to have. So that's an example. It can be a, it can, it's a remarkably good um, thought partner. I'm thinking hmm. about doing this. What are the pros and cons? It is great at when somebody really annoys you in email <laughs> of taking and just, you know, I'm, I'm making, you know, typing noises, you know, say everything you really want to say to the person to chat GBT or Claude and let it rewrite it for you in a nice, friendly, professional way. Um, it's, it's got, so I encourage people to play, like, especially those of you who are over a certain age that we played with computers. We, you know, we said, well, what can it do? Chat, the basic chat GBT is free. The paid version is $20 a month. Claude has a free version with Claude.ai by Anthropic. It's got a very interesting, different way of talking to you than ChatGPT. It is also free and has a paid version. You can use some of the image generators inside of Bing for free. Start playing with it and start thinking about how you're going to put it into your business. I guarantee you, your employees are doing it already, whether they're telling you mm -hmm. or not, whether they're talking to you or they not, are. Whether, they are. <laughs> I'm just telling you, they are, because once you see it, 
you can't unsee it. I had the reason I know this is I remember the feeling I had when I saw the first iPhone. I remember it very clearly. And someone's showing it to me. And my I then started to drag people into Apple Store saying, you've got to see this. The, I don't know how, but the world is never going to be the same. And it mm. wasn't, right? The minute we all had computers in our hands, it was a different world. And this, I don't know how else to say it other than to say, truly, this is the thing. And it's it's going to, it's going to, I think it's going to be at least as big as the personal computer. So I'll, I'll play Claude here. What, yeah. I, what I heard you, I heard you say two key things. One was, uh, you're already using it in a lot of the software you're using. And so I, I would think being aware of that is probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> one of the complaints I had, or the other thing besides uh, the Terminator model of uh, AI, the thing I always heard, or the only thing I saw in articles was, oh, here, here are the top five apps. And I, I would roll my eyes a little bit. But what I hear you saying is, no, go ahead, try to play with those apps, just get used to them. And it reminds me of, uh, I'm a, a wee bit older than you. And I remember when the PC came out and we got it in our in our IT department. And we were, those of us who were programming at the time were like, oh my goodness, this is not like, it's not just a small version of the mainframe. It it's was something a, completely different. And we could see it was going to be completely different. At the beginning, I remember, you know, I'd I'd write up a manual on it, and that's about all I did. I used it as a fancy typewriter. But uh, I think that's a very good point. Just play with it, and you're probably I know you're right here. All of our employees are playing with it. People keep talking about it. So I think that's an important message too. Just get used to it. Remember when Google rolled out, and you're like, "What do I do for it?" And now you ask it everything. So right. for me, it was formal. And then I started like I remember. Um, Thanksgiving last year, asking it to tell me different ways to do lamb, like four different ways to make lamb and like different recipes and, and it combined them and it does meal planning. It like it, it's just wild when you start just like, I even set up a channel on ChatGPT for I'm learning bridge and it's my bridge tutor because it holds that information and I can go in with my questions and, and you can tell it to respond to you in the voice of anybody you want. If you want your, your emails to be written like Hemingway They'll do that. It'll do that. I mean, just, but we don't, uh, one of my favorite um, quotes from Paul Reitzer from the Marketing AI Institute is, this is the least capable version of AI you will see in your lifetime. Right. The least capable. It only gets better from here. So in addition to the playing, what else would small companies, you know, like us and like the people listening what else specifically could we do to get prepared? And and maybe what are the consequences of, well, I'm just going to wait and see. Well, first, I think it's good to have an AI policy. You should disclose, particularly if you're a marketing agency, there are legal risks around the use of AI. If you want to mm-hmm. talk about that more, we can. But I think every firm should have an AI policy, like a heavy use policy. This is how we use it. This is when we use it. For example, if you're not careful, if you're putting in proprietary information, that information goes into the model and you never know where it's going to pop out in somebody mm. else's answer. So there's a disclosure here. Um, for example, if I'm doing something for a client, I use a code name. If I'm you know, writing a proposal for a client, I'm going to put a code name like salted caramel in there so that whatever I'm talking about is not going to go out there. But you got to have a policy for it and you need to disclose 
if if you're going to use it in your marketing materials, your clients need to know and you're, you should not be surprised if your marketing clients come back to you and say you cannot use it because there are risks not only to you as the agency, but to the brand as well. Mm-hmm. So being very smart about, but using it as a thought partner, using it as to edit your emails, using it to to make images for, you know, for fun inside of your inside of your company, I think you should be very careful before you use them in your marketing materials, because they have to be substantially transferred in order to have protection and to protect you from being sued. But um, just starting to see what's out there. The other thing I get asked all the time, what tools should I use? There are now hundreds, if not thousands of tools. It doesn't matter truly pick one and start because many of them are going to go away. What's really going to happen here in the next, if I pick an exact time, I'll be wrong. In the Silicon Valley word, in the near term, the next year to three years, a lot of these standalone products will go away. When you think about it, why would you subscribe to this if Google does it for you and Docs or Excel? I mean, they have AI in Excel now. It's sort of mind-blowing, like what it can do now. And so Salesforce has it. You're going to be using these things inside of the tools. So, but play with writer, play with copy.ai because mm-hmm. they're doing things that Google is not. So playing, and what I've also seen people get one answer from ChatGPT and then put it into Claude and see how things go back and forth. And so having a policy is probably the most important thing. We're going to use it, mm-hmm. but here's how we're going to use it. Here's emphatically where we're not going to use it so that we're very clear. And and if you are a marketing agency, I do I believe you should have a disclosure policy. I on my blog I, I say this is the use of AI. I use AI, I will use it to edit my posts. I will use it to proofread my posts and I will use it for, you know, brainstorming, thought partnering, but it does not write for me. Mm-hmm. And that's my policy. Everybody's different, but that's my policy. Yeah. And, it, mm-hmm. and I, I think I have even a post in there where I said, hey, I didn't even touch this because I had to get it out. So this is how you know <laughs> that it's not that is real because it's kind of rambly and, and goes on for a while. <laughs> but but having a policy and make giving I would I'm sure you'd agree, Art and Sue, that no matter what you're talking about in technology, give your folks some guardrails, even if they're mm-hmm. simple ones, yeah. give them some basic guardrails. I know big companies have those who have had to ban it for safety reasons. Um, you know, I know of a big bank that they can't just let anybody in the bank have AI. There's potential risks there when we're talking about people's money, but people who are in certain departments can apply for access to chat GPT on their work computer if they have a legitimate need for research or so on. So it can range anywhere from like lock it down, but make sure you have a clear policy for exceptions to, but if you wild west this, I guarantee a problem at some point. Mm. So, well, this all sounds super cool, but also a little creepy. (laughs) Uh, You've touched on it a little bit throughout our conversation, but there have got to be tons of ethical, legal, and privacy issues swirling around this. Let's dig into that. Oh, I love to talk about that. I know. Um, (laughs) Well, mostly because I'm a rules girl and privacy matters a lot to me. I've been in analytics for 20 years and I've watched what's been happening with our data. Good marketers Mm -hmm. don't need PII to do great marketing. So this is, I've never understood sort of the focus on getting every last person. I don't need to know that John Doe in e-commerce, you know, in Rockville, Maryland bought the thing. I just need to know what the group of people like him did. I don't need to know his specifics, and but AI takes it all in many cases. And so, you know, I think that's why having a policy matters. You can't, I'm not a lawyer, but 
my attorney is a specialist in IP rights, and he believes that agencies and brands can be held liable for the output. So there are two things. One is whatever you deliver with AI is not copyrightable. Is That's pretty much general consensus, and the FTC has said it as well. I'm not a lawyer, but that's what all the lawyers and the FTC and the FTC are saying is you cannot trademark or copyright anything that's generated by AI, period. Mm-hmm. Where my attorney takes to the next level, he believes that you could actively, there's the potential for people to be sued for violating other people's trademarks. Mm-hmm. And even and brands in particular. So you think, okay, the brand's going to get sued, but they're going to hold the agency responsible. They're going to you have, I guarantee you. And so I would not be surprised if you're a marketing agency, for example, you will have a client asking if they're not, if if I'm doing my job right, (laughs) sorry, they're going to be asking you for clauses in your, in your master service agreements that stipulate how and when you will use AI in their deliverables and what it's okay to do. So I think, again, having those one being very clear about not putting proprietary information into AI, unless it is, there There are ways you can do it, but unless you really know what you're doing, no proprietary or NDA information should ever go into an AI tool, ever, truly, <laughs> for now, for now, unless you really know what you're, there are always exceptions, but chances are, if these are small businesses, they are not in that world where they understand and are putting in exceptions, but make it very clear to your team that you cannot put proprietary, anything covered under an NDA should not be in, in AI at this time. And in full disclosure, we're gonna we're gonna follow this conversation up with a conversation with a lawyer. So I'm sure we'll get deeper into that. But that's a very good reminder. So Melinda, what we we had a situation in our team where uh, one of our team members' boyfriend, who's an engineer, was writing a thesis. So he used the uh, Claude or one of those apps to find source material that he could plug into his thesis. And it came back and it was formatted beautifully. It looked excellent, but he was wise enough to check it. And he found most of them were fake or totally made up and totally irrelevant. How does that happen? What is that all about? I'm so glad you asked me that so I could talk about this. Um, It's called a hallucination. Um, I've also heard it described as if you've ever hired someone that never gives you a straight answer, they just BS their way through the question when they don't know. That's mm-hmm. what ChatGPT will do. If it does not know the answer, <laughs> it will just make it up. Because we have to remember how it works. It's, it is it is not intelligent. And this, again, very rapidly, when we talk about AI, we can get into how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. But for the purposes of discussion, it is not intelligent in the colloquial sense of what we think of as intelligent. It is a statistical predictive model. If I say this word, what is the most likely next word? And so on and so forth. So it is not thinking in the way we think of as thinking. We could debate what thinking is. Again, <laughs> not right. a good use of time. Maybe not today. <laughs> right. The pra- in a practical way, it is not thinking in the way we think of thinking. It is pr- making a prediction about what is likely to be true. So it is so important when you are playing. And a good first step to playing is to ask whatever tool you're using, who is, and then put your name in there. Or what do you know about? your name because who knows you better than you this is the best like you instinctively will know for the first time when the first time i played with chat gpt i put in who is melinda byerly and it gave me three beautiful a beautiful biography three paragraphs long first paragraph perfect second paragraph some inconsistencies third paragraph completely wrong including a book i had not written that somebody else had written 
So if you have, you need to have some wariness around that. And another example I'll give is I was asking it to summarize um, a long post about uh, CMOs. About I think it was you know the the entrepreneur entrepreneurial top entrepreneurial CMOs or whatever. I wanted to do kind of a summary and write a LinkedIn post. And the summary it kept listing people who were never in the article. And it's important to remember that many of these tools stop. For example, ChatGPT famously does not have information after. 2021. That's when it stops information. So some of they're getting better. Some are now able to look at newer information or read things that you give them. But you have to always check because I got very close to publishing that post before I realized, whoa, these people aren't even listed in the article. So be careful and check check what you say. This wow. is why I like it for email and thought <laughs> partnership. Yeah. And, and don't put in, you mentioned, you know, don't put in again anything. If you're doing searches on people, for example, like a candidate, be very careful because stuff is not updated and it might not be true. Wow. Well, more practical advice from the expert. Thank you. Yes. Uh, what are you seeing in terms of how AI applies to hiring? A lot of particularly larger corporations are incorporating AI in their search process and, and you know, early stages of selecting employees. It's, it's, I don't think anybody knows the answer to this. A lot of AI stuff you have to take with a grain of salt because nobody really, so have, it's kind of fun. In some ways it's fun that there aren't a lot of true experts, that a lot of it's opinion. It, this, I would think the same things apply. If you're good at what you do, if you're using the proper keywords in your resume, if your background is what you say it is, then you should be fine because it should be drawing those inferences about you and the same thing. And in some ways it could work even better because it's as accessing more than just your resume. So mm. it's seeing, you know, other things about you. On the other hand, if you won the Nobel prize in 2022, it's not going to know that it's not going to know <laughs> anything that you've done recently. So, you know, it's, it's not going to be aware of that. So I think it, it is maybe cover letters are as important as ever relationships continue to be important. Mm -hmm. Having a presence online, I think is, especially in the marketing space, you have to have, you have to have something that says who you are. It's one of the reasons I started that blog was so that I could learn out loud and demonstrate to, you know, potential clients, people I want to work with that I care about this issue and it's important to me and here's how I think about it. So yeah, it's, it's I, going to, it's going to change it, but I don't think anybody knows how yet. I'm absolutely flabbergasted that it, it isn't intelligent enough to know what's been going on more recently. They had to stop somewhere. And I think some of mm -hmm. it is they, they, they so open AI, I don't know if you know this, but they had to hire people in developing nations because basically what they did was scrape the whole internet. Well, on the internet, there's a lot of bad stuff. Mm. There's a lot of racist, sexist, you know, violent, dangerous stuff out there. And they actually hired people in developing nations to go through and help pull all of that out. So if there mm. was just an un, an unregulated fire hose of the internet, it would be very, very hard for this. It's already using vast amounts of computing power and energy. There are all sorts of questions that are going to come up about climate change. This there was a lot of it around Bitcoin and crypto. This is will be exponential because of computing power. So yeah, it's it's um it's not it's it's interesting and changeable. It's not going to kill us, <laughs> but it, yeah. But I don't think anybody knows how it's going to play. So mm -hmm. it's not that it's not intelligent in that way. It I keep saying to people, you have to talk to it like it's a human being. But remember, it is not a human being. 
So mm-hmm. there's no, like anybody who's played with a DOS prompt back in the day, there's no special language you have to have to talk to it, which is what where its power comes from. But you must never forget that that is not a person at the other end of the mm. line. That is a computer program. That's all it is. There's nothing um, like organic or godlike about it. It is simply predicting the most likely series of words. It's darn good at it. It's almost like a ventriloquist. You can you can't see its mouth move. Right. Uh, you can't see his mouth move or his or her mouth move while they're operating the, the puppet. So you know. Engage with it that way, but remember that it is it is still a computer program. It is still HAL. It is not not even that smart. It's not even as smart as HAL. And it can't even unlock the pod bay doors yet. So, <laughs> okay. well, thank you again. Good to know. And I love the uh, Sue picked the title for this: a practical approach to AI. And this has been very practical. But any final thoughts as to what uh, small business people like us should be paying attention to? I would say yet one don't be as if it's scary. I know you're I know there's a lot of media right now that's talking about the end of days that come from using <laughs> AI. They're I, called Luddites. Maybe. I mean <laughs> certainly there is a conversation to be had about the societal impacts of displacement of large amounts of knowledge workers. Mm-hmm. Up until now this this the societal conversation has been about what happens when the truck drivers are displaced. But what we are not yet ready for is that conversation. There is a conversation to be had there as as in all sort of forms of automation and technology. The end of the world is not happening because of this. I would remind you like we have self-driving taxis in San Francisco and they 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 ball up and don't work. Like your computer freezes. Like I we're not there yet. It's a it's a long ways away. And actually the conversation about this sort of artificial artificial AI or AGI about like when does it take over human consciousness is a distraction. Mm. It is not, it is, I don't pay any attention to it whatsoever. One, I'm not a developer, so I, it's way out there for me. But two, it's just not practical in my lifetime. It will not exist. And it will not, it will not be there. And that distracts us all from doing the real work of saying, what do we have in front of us? Mm-hmm. What do we have today? What is the opportunity today? Not just to decrease our cost, which increase our revenue? What is the sort of like exciting opportunity we could use it to transform the business as a whole in terms of like how fast we get to insights if we're an analytics agency? So um, embrace that. I mean, this is not something I never invested in crypto, not even once. I believe in Bitcoin (laughs) or sorry, I believe in in, uh, blockchain for its for certain purposes, but I have never bought a dime of crypto. This I'm going in all all in on this, and it's everything I hear in the valley. Everything I see says we are. This is here now, and it's time. Mm-hmm. So this is. I do encourage people to have a good time with it. And I think the most important thing you said right at the top, it ain't new. It's been around for years. So that's a good that's a good reminder too. Yeah, yeah. we just all got serious about it when it, we could see, when we could see it when it right. got tangible. Well stated. Yeah. Well, this is fascinating. As a, as a reminder to our listeners, Melinda hosts her own podcast, Staying Alive in Tech. Its fifth season, which debuts next month, will be entirely focused on artificial intelligence and machine learning. So I encourage you all to check that out. She also has a blog called Let's Get Real. Melinda, what is the best way to su- subscribe to the blog? And also, if our listeners have questions and need your help, how can they find you? Thank you for asking that. 
Um, the blog, Let's Get Real, is a sub stack. So if you just Google Let's Get Real sub stack or my name and Let's Get Real, and it's all about AI, it's this same type of like, it's me learning in public. It's how I decided to dive in and sort of like share as much as I could. Um, if you would like to talk to me specifically, I've got a page just for, for you listeners because I adore art and Sue. So come to <laughs> fiddleheadhq.com slash STM. And uh, I'll have some stuff there for you. I'll have a checklist for you on what to look for in AI and some things you can do in your business. Um, I'll have a link to the podcast, a link to the to the blog, and, and you can let me know. I'm also on LinkedIn. You can find me there as well. Right. Well, I'm sure we could go on and on about AI, and perhaps there'll be an opportunity as things develop yes. for you to come back on the podcast and give us an update. But I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. I'm glad I could help. Yes, this has been fantastic. And I'm so glad we met you back in what? May, I think. So, yes. All right. Best wishes and thank you again. Thanks for having me. So, thank you for listening to another episode of Strategic Talent Management's People Solutions Podcast. Remember to subscribe to get notifications for new episodes. And for more information on strategic talent management, click on the link to our website in the podcast description.